0: Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life. My name is Mike, and this week we have got a guest that I have been really eager to get on for a while because I really respect this guy, and I also think he's an incredible runner who will be coming back from injury here shortly and be out on the trails tackling many more mighty feats. Mr. Larry McFarland is our guest this week. Larry, you ready to go for a run? Uh, you know it. It's been far too long, brother. I was gonna say you are you are chopping to go for a runabout right now, aren't you? I sure am. How long have you been on the uh injured reserve list?
1: Well, a year ago, last November, I was in the final warm up run before I was gonna pace a friend over at Rim to River. And I had been managing what I thought at that point had been a soft tissue injury, like a a peroneal tendon or a peroneus brevis, just some tenderness that was manifesting as some, you know, discomfort in the outer foot, outer left foot. And so I just kept going and uh, and should have taken a break and should have probably had it evaluated. But we're we're runners, we press through and I wanted to be prepared. And then, and, and literally during the last shakeout run before taking on some pacing duties, it it turns out it was a stress fracture that literally in the snap of a finger became a real fracture. And it was in the fifth metatarsal of the of the midfoot called a Jones fracture. It's in a very vulnerable spot. Circulation is not great. And so it's a fairly long recovery. And it has indeed been that. But fortunately, by the grace of God. Was able to connect with arguably the finest foot surgeon in this uh, southeast Virginia area. He got me in right away. Did a it's a very long term, but it's a, basically involves the insertion of a screw down the length of the metatarsal, and then took a bone graft and applied some stem cells. Up my you know took the bone graft, spun the marrow down, applied those stem cells actually to the fracture that would you know hasten the healing, the bone cell remodeling, and all that sort of stuff. So. You know, it was a long 12 weeks of not weight bearing and then in a boot and then physical therapy and and then a very measured and careful return to run protocol. So it's all told it's been a year. So. So, yes, to say that I am I am eager to get back to it uh, would be an understatement.
0: Absolutely. So what do you do when you're not out recovering from runs and out doing these awesome runs that you do?
1: I work for the Navy. I am a civil servant. I've been in my current position for about 15 years. Prior to that, I was active duty military, also serving in the Navy, serving both afloat and ashore, you know, the typical variety of duty stations. And I've been uh, happily married for 35 years, have a 28-year-old son who I have great regard and respect for. Probably was about four years into the Navy, running became a thing it became important, or it became, it became a tool in in my fitness journey and and just in managing my overall headspace and such. But uh, but that's what I do. I'm typically the classic nine to five worker, and I'm grateful for the position that I have.
0: Awesome. So, how many years did you serve active duty in the military? Twenty one. Oh wow. So retired military, yes, right? Oh wow. Yep. Cool. That is awesome. Thank you for your service. Thank you. So you began running about four years into your Navy career, decided that the PT test wasn't enough and did more? Or, you know, yeah, wh- what well, it's kind
1: of as probably very similar story uh, to many runners um, is running when I was growing up and was in, you know, involved in organized sports and team athletics at the high school and, and at the club level in college, running was punishment you know it's what you, know? you it's what you got to do if you weren't paying attention or if you weren't performing up to snuff but shortly after i started in the navy running became a catharsis of sorts you know it was kind of that i'm my body is exercising but my mind is at rest and yeah. and that really became very attractive to me it was very beneficial for me and like most aspiring young runners back in the day, you know, mid 80s timeframe, early 90s, it was all road run, you, you signed up for your local 5k. And yep. so I, I did, a, I had a season, an extended season where I was a passionate road runner and, uh, you know, aspiring to meet goals and achieve distances and set PRs and prove my performance and all of those sorts of things like probably all of us do or mm-hmm. partly most of us have in our journey. And then I got to my mid forties and realized that, you know, I'm not getting any faster uh, no matter how hard I try. And, and I, I grew up, I was born and raised in Colorado. And my great passion when I was growing up out there was backpacking in the mountains. And so what I was able to do, you know, under the tutelage and mentorship and support of some other trail runners here in the local area kind of began a transition off the roads and onto the trails. And I loved it immediately because it was sort of a, uh, it married my two passions, uh, for yeah. back you know, h- hiking and being in amazing venues and amazing locations, being able to witness just beautiful landscapes combined with running. And so ascending to the ultra distance became natural because back in my road running days, I had about 10 road marathons under my belt and more half marathons and 10 Ks and five Ks that I can count. But, um, then it became not only a passion and, an, and something that I very much enjoyed, but the challenge. Because as you know, living the ultra life, that there is no simple ultra. They all involve some aspect of challenge and some aspect of, of having to push yourself, push your limits, really dig deep, journey into the pain cave on occasion. and And that whole dynamic really appealed to me. And I think what sealed it for me that this is really something that I want to continue to do for as long as I possibly can was a community ultra running is a community. I mean, a true, genuine, caring community, really unlike I think most participatory sports. I remember back in the days of road running, I mean, it was, you were t- solely focused on your watch and your pace and did I make that split? And and you would literally have to, you know, somebody would have to fall out literally and many runners would run right by, you know, they were so focused on their own goals that they would run right by where the exact opposite has been my experience in the ultra running community, where you really are a community running together, enjoying the journey together and and supporting each other in the journey. The challenge isn't, you know, especially for a mid-pack, back-of-the-pack guy like me, I'm not racing somebody on the course. My challenge is against the course itself. I delight in being able to make friends and Introduce myself to people and be introduced to people that share our love, share our passion and enjoy some miles together while you're while you're able to do that. And just that general sense of community, even you know, among volunteers and, and the race directors that do such an amazing job. It really is inspirational to me. And it's and I think that's the that's the thing. It's just such a it's tough to describe. And I know many of, of your listeners understand it because they're living the ultra life. But it's sometimes it's, I find it hard to describe when, you know, people kind of look at me strange when they're like, you ran how far and you're training <laughs> for what and why do you do this? But um, exactly. it's, you know, it's, it's the community that uh, it's really draws. Uh, I just can't speak highly enough of it. I've met so many wonderful runners and like I said, runners, volunteers, uh, r- race staff. It's just it, even if you're not running a race, it's fun to go to a race just because oh, of the yeah. community.
0: Oh yeah, just volunteer to race and it'd be, be amazing. And one thing, you've ran all over the country. And so one of the things that I've noticed is it doesn't matter where you run run an ultra race in the country, the the community is the same, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's a hundred percent. You you know, and and in fact, some I've been to um I've I've been able to crew uh some races in uh well actually run and crew uh and pace races where you know, sometimes you just meet somebody in an late into the race, deep into the you know, the witching hours of the night, and it's you know, you almost call each other by your where what's okay, West Virginia, let's go, or okay, exactly. Colorado, let's get going. Yeah, because it's because you're right that we are it is one very large supportive community, whether I've been in California, Colorado, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Uh, Maine, other places that I've been able to, Virginia, obviously the supportive vibe is the same regardless of where you go.
0: Right. I had somebody ask me the other day, what I thought of, you know, the whole UTMB, you know, breaking into, you know, a lot of the American ultra running things and, you know, bring the big corporate vibe to it and everything. And they said, do you think it's going to ruin it? And I was like, no, because it's not, it's not, you know the corporation or whoever owns the race that does it it's the race director it's the volunteers it's people out running it's the people that are crewing and pacing their runners that's the community the the community is not going to be affected by you know some big corporation out there because corporation can't affect that community you know they they, they can make it you know better swag i don't know what they do but yeah to me i'm like run or down i'm just like yeah you you can go uh, out and have fun no matter where you are
1: yeah i think the only i wouldn't even say a concern just an observation you know because i saw the same thing happen at leadville you know if there is a larger quote-unquote corporate board you know sometimes you know they got it's important to keep the race sizes manageable uh one year at leadville they just let it you know uh, after ken clover sold it just got, you know, it was it. It just it got insane. It, were, it got yeah. insane. I mean, it was just too many runners. With you know, when you start to think about, for every runner, it takes this many crew, this many pacers, this many yeah. volunteers, this many, you know, staff support, and pretty soon a a a race that is, you know, two hundred and fifty runners, but requires a thousand people to you know to actually pull off over the full duration of the course. Uh, now, if you decide you want to double or triple the the race field, you know because you have the corporate energy and the corporate capacity to do that, I don't know that some of these venues have have the capability to take on that many additional people. That that's my. I, I um,
0: totally agree with that one.
1: Yeah, that would be my only. Like I said, pause. It's it's not even a cost for concern because I think most of these. You know, most of the races where UTMB is starting to become involved, they're established. They have a community legacy. Those those communities and those race directors and those, you know, the people that are committed to supporting that race, you know, whether it be first responders or civic organizations, they're not going to let it get out.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. So what was your first ultra marathon?
1: It was a Seashore 50K in two. 2012 yep seashore wow. 50k here seashore 50k here in virginia beach at the at the first landing state park a variation of a two-loop course that i finished in 539 i was very very pleased with that time i, I you know your goal and your first life, your goal and your first is to finish right and so but uh it was a good day to have a good day and it was just you know, the I can admittedly say that what are basically rolling nothing more than rolling dunes and pine barrens uh, certainly seemed like mountains at uh, mile twenty-eight to thirty-one. But it was that was my first race.
0: That's awesome. Did you have any water on the course for that one? There was, yeah, back in the there's
1: a back section by the narrows. I, I know you're very familiar with the park back there, and there was uh, you know subject to tides and whether it's a lunar high tide or if there's wind holding up. Uh, water in the bay, there's a spot that is particularly vulnerable to uh, a couple of spots on the, in the park that are particularly vulnerable. So yeah, my feet got wet and there were uh, some, uh, I'll say large puddles to navigate, but uh, it added to the experience.
0: Exactly. Last year was a lot of fun. I mean, the uh, wind blew the tide in and that whole area from the boat docks to the 64th street entrance. about that whole area was full of water it was so much fun yeah
1: that that that's the section that we had water but it was it wasn't near what you guys had this last year i i I was following i was i was tracking that one and it was uh you guys had quite the experience
0: that was a blast absolute blast so bunch bunch of races and everything what you've run how many hundred milers
1: just one of my own and then i've let's see one
0: was that tunnel hill
1: That was Tunnel Hill. And that was in 19, Tunnel Hill in 19. And then I've paced or crewed in seven other hundos.
0: Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. Favorite 100 so far? Pace or run? Oh, that's
1: a good question, Mike. Wow. I, I would have to say Tunnel Hill because it was my opportunity to complete that distance. And it you know, and Durban race management does such a good job of organizing and running races there in that uh, in the Midwest there. They, it was really, really well managed, well done, well executed.
0: And that's um, pretty good. That's a rails to trail course, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Some double out rollers and, and everything.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, only one. I, I mean, you know, the, the trail itself is, you know, because it's rails to trail Zealand it's pretty smooth. Um, you know, it's called tunnel hill for a reason because the, you know, uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's a hill. Uh, but when you're at a two, two and a half percent grade bow for a long time, it, it's, it's, you know, there's, there is some, it definitely
0: feels like a large hill, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, That's but awesome. no, I, I would say rim to river is, uh, I've had the opportunity to crew and pace that one now twice, Again, such a super organization, you know they do such a great job in putting it on and a spectacular course uh, yeah that's that's a good one. Um, crew Joe through a grindstone uh the okay. year that it was a tropical storm I mean they oh he, was in, he was in the rain the entire time. That was a gut check. I mean it was it was tropical storm conditions from the start of the race until probably about three hours before he finished he i mean he, yeah. he was getting rained on the whole time i
0: that mean that thing sounds like that was yeah that was a supper yeah that was a
1: and then but at san diego 100 that was when i uh, had the opportunity to go out and see some very different type of course um, oh yeah for, just spectacular there in East San Diego County the day that I was out there crewing and pacing it was a tough day uh the high temperature that day was 106 oh. degrees Uh-oh. and um, they're coming up the I forget the name of the the canyon you you're coming up before you get back up to the Pacific Coast Trail no one's canyon okay it, because it's all you know there's no shade you know there's no trees uh it right. was radiating it's just radiating rock it they were reporting that the the temperature in the, uh, in Canyon was 120 degrees. And so it was just, just to see the runners, uh, just to see them endure that to continue. Some didn't, obviously didn't continue. It was probably the year, it's probably the year they had the highest non-finisher rate, but, but just to see the courage and the dedication and the, and to just be there, uh, with a special moment. That's it. That's it. I would probably put that one very high on
0: the list as well. Cool. And what's your favorite distance to race? I would
1: probably say I like the 50 milers. Uh, okay. I think it's uh, that's probably my favorite. I probably have the most finishes at that distance. You know, I think it's a good test physically, but it also, uh, you know, it's it's a it takes a special effort to probably to get to get past 100k. It really yeah. does take a, a different level of effort, but a, a, another level of dedication in your training and in your approach and, you know, months to do well at the hundo and beyond distance. It's the culmination of months and months and months and months of preparation. It's not just a good day it's or good two days. It's you're literally preparing for months. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, if you haven't prepared for months because you have a incredible, hard, suffer-fest time. So.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you can still, and you know, as well as I do, Mike, that sometimes, sometimes the conditions can work against you or just some oh, yeah. variables. You don't get a good night's sleep or something you ate, disagreed with you, even though you believe you're well-trained or well-prepared. I've had that happen too, yep. where it was, it was just soup, you know, it's the third week in October, but suddenly it's 84 degrees and 90% humidity. And, and you're just not, you weren't ready for that on that day. And yep. it just took its toll over time. And uh yeah, so that was that was a race that got me. That was I almost promised that I would never run another ultra after that
0: one. Yeah, the, the I, I think I've done that probably three times that where I've said, okay. I in fact last year during Swami's I called Jenny. I was like, okay, when I finish this one, I'm done. That didn't happen. And,
1: yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> and how many of you run?
0: <laughs> a couple. Just just All a couple, right. one or two.
1: Yeah, one or yeah, one or two dozen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Awesome. yeah, they just, it, it's easy to quit while, while you're on there. But once you cross the finish line, it's a whole different feeling, isn't it?
1: It is, you know, obviously your first finish at any distance, especially if you stepped up to the hundo level or something like that. It's a special, it's special for you individually. But I actually draw more satisfaction and gratification in being able to help somebody else achieve their wild, audacious goals. Yeah. And I find that to be personally more rewarding. And so when, when you can help a friend who for, you know, six, eight, 10 hours was doubting themselves, was ready to quit, was, you know, in the pain cave, and yet you see their tears when they cross the finish line. That's that to me, that's, that's, a big, and then that goes, weaves all the way back to the community and that supporting one another.
0: Yeah. So it takes a special person to be able to go, all right, I'm not going to finish this race. I'm not going to get a finisher medal. I'm not going to get a T-shirt. I'm not going to get a coffee cup. I get I get no reward from this, but I'm still willing to go out there for 24 to 32 hours and help somebody else finish. For you, Larry, where where does that characteristic come from?
1: Great question, Mike. I mean, all of our motivations are, are, are unique and distinct. But I think for me, I've found great motivation and great strength in the parallel between my Christian faith and living the entirety of the Christian faith uh, compared to running and particularly ultra marathon running where you are having to put a dedicated, strict training plan together and to execute it. The same is true in the Christian walk, in the Christian faith. You can't get complacent, can't be cavalier. It either means something to you or it doesn't. And so that that's a parallel. The focus of you're not going to let the distractions or temptations get you off track, you know, where it'd be so easy to give up on a training plan or to to take it easy and then pretty soon before you know it you're off the tracks the exact same thing can be true in our our walk of faith and the focus on the that it's a day-to-day journey to get to the prize at the end you know you don't just arrive at the finish line it's the journey that matters and i find that those parallels you know that you're you're fighting the good fight and you're hanging in there and you're taking on the trials and tribulations you know no no ultra marathon Truly, I don't think any ultra runner who's being honest can say it went perfectly according to plan. Over that duration and that distance, something's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. Something's not going to go the way you planned it. And it's now adapt and overcome. And how do you adjust? And the same can be true in life. This didn't go quite how I planned. So does that mean you're just going to pull up and quit? Or are you <laughs> going to adapt and overcome and press in? And so I think that there's just so much. There's just so many parallels. So for me, as I kind of look at my, my faith side by side with this passion for ultra running and being able to enjoy it and to, to do it and to achieve audacious goals, the parallels and the analogies and the metaphors across both, I think, are so mutually supportive, uh, I, I think has been a tremendous strength and a motivator for me on any given day at any given point in a race, or even in a training cycle or a training plan, you can just see the direct correlation to your, your walk of faith. And are you building the character and the strength and the ability to overcome the obstacles and not be overcome by them?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great description. I remember one time, it's probably one of the first times I was given the opportunity to base somebody and we were, I'm probably eight miles out from an aid station and this person was just having a horrible, horrible time. And so I turned to this person and I said, okay, I said, you know what? Next aid station, we're just going to bag it. <laughs> this person was like, yeah, man, let's just bag it. And I said, or we can, we can do something weird. <laughs> this person looked at me and was like, what? I said, we can take and we can get into a a whole new realm of the way we understand how we were created and how we were built to be. I said, would you be interested in exploring that? And he's like, I have no clue what you're talking about because he wasn't a believer. And so I said, all right, see, there's this point where you have to reach that you acknowledge that you on your own do not have the strength the mental strength, the physical strength to continue on. He's like, I am so there. I said, this is the perfect opportunity. I said, because this is the perfect opportunity to introduce you to a strength that doesn't come from our own strength, that comes apart from our own strength. And it comes when you submit and you say, you know what, I'm done. But I do realize there's a power that's someplace else. I said, this could be a magical moment for you. And I will never forget when this person crossed the finish line after that race and turned to me and he's like we got a lot more talking to do <laughs> oh, thats awesome. yeah. like
1: that's a great testimony I yeah I'm glad you brought that up that you know the, the power is not our own either way you want to look at it from you know our walk of faith or you know we've spoken so highly of, of community the same is held in our successful walk of faith we're not doing it alone it takes a group and a dedicated commitment of community to live a successful Christian life. It, take, it takes the same thing to have a successful ultra marathon experience and just crazy things. You know, I remember crewing up on his first hundo pacing the last 38 miles and he was at a particularly low patch and I was like, well, you know what, why don't, you know, we're, we're you know, we were at that point, we were kind of just walking I was like, well, let me, let me just pray. And so I prayed for him that, you know, the, God would restore his strength and that he would have a fresh infusion of energy. And and then amazingly, well, not amazingly, almost predictably, he got a second wind. And it wasn't your traditional second wind where, you know, hey, maybe it lasts for three to five miles. He was able to hammer for the next 17 miles. And he and his race experience and his summary, as he subsequently shared, you know, on blogs and stuff, is that it he fully is convinced that it wasn't his power that drove him to the finish
0: well you remember this year Rim to River the person I was pacing the same thing yep. you know and then he gets to 70 and the only thing you can say is a power outside his own came over him and he took off and dropped me <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> first time I've yeah, been that... dropped as a pacer and I and I felt so good I was like I did my job
1: <laughs> no well that 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 means your runners having a very
0: good day when that yeah. happens. yeah. Yep, that was awesome so this whole marrying the the spiritual with the with the physical running mm-hmm. on a practical basis uh, on like a daily run basis are you able to do this on a daily run basis where you can plug into the spiritual aspects of the run
1: Yeah I do Mike. You know, uh, maybe not so much on the, you know, the shorter weeks, the, the shorter runs during the week where, you know, sometimes I'm taking a break at lunch or, you know, I'm taking an exercise to a period where I can just get out and get a quick run inning and, and then get back to work or something like that, you know, but definitely on the longer runs, I, you know, I typically don't run with music because I want to just have the moment to myself. And I find what happens in those moments is, you know, at first I might be distracted or I might be thinking about the last conversation I had or something that might be on my mind. But I find quickly that I'm able once, like I said, when your body's exercising, your mind's at rest, I will actually use those runs to pray, to pray for people I care about, to pray for needs that I'm aware of, uh, or to even just drawing near to my heavenly father who is the creator of what i'm out there enjoying and just giving him thanks and praising him for that and that's another tremendous benefit to trail running over road running uh, for me anyway is that when you're in these magnificent places of you know like east san diego county or uh, up above, uh, you know, up by Auburn, you know, when I did the um, American River 50, or out on the western slope of Colorado, or out in Moab for the Dead Horse, you know, you're just in these amazing, beautiful vistas and venues that you just can't help but be thankful and help but just acknowledge this beautiful creation. That's special.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I and you can be anywhere doing it. I mean, I've had those moments, you know, running in Back Bay. I've had those mo- I've had those moments running in, in first landing. Yeah. Appalachian Trail is just incredible. i I it's there's something spiritual about the Appalachian Trail. I love it. But yeah, um it is
1: yeah. it's a special. It's special.
0: I agree with yeah. you. So a lot of fun. Um so what's what's next? I mean, where where's Larry go from here? Yeah, well, yeah, I gotta,
1: um, a, a, you know, once I'm able to fully clear the return to run protocol, I'm working, um, you know, I'm I I have the classic uh, endurance athlete love hate relationship with my physical therapist,
0: uh-huh. um,
1: working through a return to run protocol, managing getting back to that, you know, and as you can imagine, a year after going more than a year, you know, there's been some muscular atrophy and some scar tissue buildup and some. Uh, adhesion, connective tissue adhesion. And so now that I get back to it, I get to undo all that. And, mm-hmm. and so that's the process I'm in right now. I'm hoping that, well, I was kind of hoping that by the end of this month, you know, here in the next couple of days, I would be really back to a full return to run, even at a shorter distance. I've had some metatarsal algae, which is just an inflammatory, inflammatory response, not uncommon to, you know, a return to running after a, a a major structural injury like I had. So, you know, ice is my friend and, and I'll yeah. continue to do that. But uh, my intent is uh, my best friend, Paul, who I paced and crewed and run min- hundreds and probably thousands of miles together. He's got a hundo in March. Even if I'm not pace ready, I'll go down and crew and just to see him, support him for that. That's in March. Which one?
0: Uh, Camp Croft. Okay. I've never heard of that one. Where's that? It, it's in South Carolina. Okay. And
1: cool. um, and then I would like to be uh, again, uh, Lord willing, and and assuming am you know the recovery stays apace, I would like to be ready to run Kessel in the fall. Uh okay. The Kessel Ultra, that's part of the uh, Mad Moose group. They do that. Oh you know, yeah. The same folks that do um, yep. uh, Arches and Arches uh, dead, dead Horse. horse and, yeah. Uh, yeah. That no, whole they're, they're it, amazing. Race group, that, yeah. yeah, they really are. That's a great group. And you know, the appeal for me there is that that trailhead there in North Fruta there at the base of the uh Book Cliffs on the western slope of Colorado is like 35 minutes from my parents' house. And so That's
0: awesome.
1: So that that's my goal. I would love to make 2024 my rehab and recovery year with, you know, with the hope and intent That I could run the Kessel sixty, you know, the Kessel Run sixty k there in Western Colorado, and then you know, hopefully staying you know injury free and and taking that fitness carrying it over to twenty twenty five. I do have a desire. Each of us have that one bucket list race, right? And for me, I would love to run Heartland in Uh uh, Central Kansas. That's the one that's in the the middle of the National Grasslands, the National Prairie. You know, in in growing up out West, quite a adjustment here where it's so forested, you know, you're, you're, you know, when you're sometimes when, especially in the height of summer, when you're on the AT or up on the Blue Ridge, you're literally in the green tunnel. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's spectacular. Yeah. But unless it's you're on a knob the- or on a ledge, <laughs> you don't really have those amazing vistas where, out, you know, where I grew up out West, you can, on a clear day, you can see for 40 or 50 miles easy. Exactly.
0: And, I told somebody, I, I ran to the top of Mount Rogers. And so I'm up there and I'm sitting there going, where the heck is the top, man? And so this couple that I had passed as I was going up, you know, they come up and they're like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I'm looking for the summit. They're like, you're at the summit. I was like, how do I know? (laughs) They're like, right. Right. just sort of know (laughs) like,
1: Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, but the the draw for me in Heartland is just to be able in those rolling hills where you can just, you know, when the sun comes up that next morning and you, you literally see what the early settlers of our nations, you know, just that open expanse. And I think that that would be about prayerfully hoping that that is as a reality that I'll be able to experience because it's a, it's a court, you know, in is you know we all scroll ultra sign up we we read the magazines we we you know we see the pod you know we see all the uh, instagram you know so, socials and all that sort of stuff and and there are races that catch our attention and um you know if i were if i were 25 years younger i i would be all in for hard rock but um i i have to be realistic that at my age now that's that's a, probably a step too far but heartland heartland's been on my mind it's on my heart, and I'm hoping that uh, in 2025 that can come to reality.
0: That would be awesome. I think you should go run, and I'm going to butcher the name again, and you're going to kill me, Ure.
1: Ure, yeah, Ure. A... Yeah, yeah, that's I, I like it... Ure, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it um, is Ure though, it, isn't it? It is. It it, it is. Um, <laughs> it, it is. I, I've been on those trails because again, that's that's just a, about an hour, a couple hours from my parents' house, and that's. That's down there right uh you're in heart. you're it's basically alongside uh yeah you know, it's so, like
0: it's like one ridge over from heart from hard yeah, drive.
1: yeah, it is. And uh and it's magnificent country. But dude, the San Juan Mountains are
0: spectacular. Beastly. Yeah. Uh, but they're they beastly. Are those are those are not easy trails.
1: No, they, and but it's just magnificent because you get yeah. up in those high mountain basins where you think Oh, you know, you'll you'll climb up a ridge and then you'll realize there's this huge basin or this huge valley uh, among the among the peaks that just it takes your breath away. It just takes your breath away.
0: Have I ever told you what my dream run is? No, you haven't. What is it? Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia to Kathmandu, Nepal.
1: Dude, that's a legit aspirational goal.
0: Yeah, that's like the the top bucket list run that you know. I got I got to figure out visas to you know six different countries <laughs> and you know routes because there's not yeah, like one route that awesome. you can go. Yeah,
1: no that 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 would be living the ultra life, my man.
0: Yeah, that that's that's like top of my bucket list. I don't know, you know, when I'm gonna do it, but one day I will. So.
1: I, I have no doubt i have no doubt
0: so when you hear living an ultra life what what's the first thing that pops into your mind
1: it's the same that i i would equate to w- walking the christian walk and that's perseverance that you have it you're gonna have to overcome obstacles you're going to have to adapt things don't you know aren't always going to be easy or go your way and to do both successfully you have to persevere And and you have to have the, and you have to train to develop the endurance, to persevere.
0: So, for a person that is curious about this whole spiritual and faith journey, what's the best way for them to to find out more?
1: It sounds trite, but I would say find and open a Bible, and let the spirit of God and the word of God uh, seep into your soul. uh, Let it get in, let it soak in there uh, because there's power there. And, and then let that curiosity and let that traction draw you and then seek out friends or uh, acquaintances or family or others that, you know, to be of the Christian faith. But from a starting point, Mike, to answer your question is find a Bible and, and start digging in and and then watch what happens
0: awesome and for the person that's getting ready to run their very first or is, you know worrying about or you know dreaming about possibly running their first ultra marathon what would you tell them
1: oh this is a good question what would i tell i would tell them they can do it i would tell them that they can do it because i think one of the things that makes ultra running another aspect that makes ultra running so amazing is that it really is ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that you don't have to be an elite athlete. You don't have to be a professional athlete. You don't have to be the, you know, have have run cross country from the time that you were 12 years old until now. But what, what I would encourage, if, if somebody were facing those doubts and somebody were facing the uncertainties, I would do everything I could to just you can do it. It can be done. Awesome. You can do it.
0: Awesome. Man, that is awesome, Larry. I thank you so much for joining me. And uh looking forward to to hearing what people think of this uh conversation day, because it's it's been we we went some different places and I absolutely love it. So pick us out of here, Larry. What would what was the one thing that you would like to leave people with? Crazy Larry, the ultra runner.
1: Crazy Larry is take each day at a time. Celebrate each day. It could be a good run. It could be a bad run. It could be a recovery. It could be it could be actual race day, but celebrate each day. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Mike.
0: You betcha. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultra Life.